I ask you to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, verses, and I'll be reading verses 15 through uh, 22. Jeremiah uh, chapter 31. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, uh, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope. For your future, declares the Lord, and your children will come back to their own country. I have heard Ephraim grieving. Uh, You have disciplined me, and I was disciplined like an untrained calf. Bring me back that I may be restored. For you are the Lord my God. For after I had turned away, I relented. And after I was instructed, I slapped my thigh. I was ashamed, and I was confounded, because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Set up road markers for yourself. Make yourself guideposts. Consider well the highway, the road by which you went. Return, O virgin Israel, return to these these your cities. How long will you waver, O faithless daughter? For the Lord has created a new thing on the earth, a man, a woman, and circles a man. Uh, Let me again pray briefly. Um, We pray, um, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, grant us hearts to um, embrace um, the beauty of this revelation and and, um, change us uh, into people more and more who live um, under the the sovereign goodness of our powerful yet gentle Father. Speak to us. And we would also ask uh, your blessing upon uh, Brother Tom as he uh, goes to French Creek uh, to teach this week. Anoint his lips. um, Give him a heart to communicate well your scriptures to your, your children. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You, you have a child with a chronic illness. A weakness, perhaps a learning disability, um, her particular style of suffering. And yet your heart is tender and you are warm towards her, more gentle and more tender because she needs it especially. And that is God's heart towards us in our suffering. Well, you have another child who talks back, 
who is disrespectful, because you love him, you do not let him go. You have proper anger towards his sin. It is both ugly and it is dangerous. And so you discipline that child, but with tenderness. That's God's heart towards you, even in your sin. We're thinking today, God's generous heart yearns for you even in your suffering and sin. God's generous and merciful heart yearns for you even in your suffering and sin. We need an accurate doctrine of God in order to be able to live in this world of ours where there is so much uh, pain and suffering. We need an accurate doctrine of God in order to survive that he is both um, holy and just, but also full of mercy. Even the way that the book of Jeremiah is laid out teaches us of these two full aspects of God's character. In chapters 1 through 29, those entire chapters are, are full of teaching about the, uh, the idolatry and the, the adultery of God's people, the Israelites. Chapter after chapter describes their disobedience and there is pending justice. Their disobedience requires Judgment, And so there is exile that is promised. That's 1 through 29. Chapters 34 and 50 to 52 describe in very vivid terms the fall of, of Jerusalem. And then also the, uh, the judgment on the nations, including Babylon. There would be justice on the disobedience of God's people. But in the middle, chapters 30 uh, through 34 there is a, a, an overflow of, of, God's, of God's grace. Uh, let me, let, let's just take a quick look at some of these, some, uh, a few verses. Uh, Jeremiah 30, uh, verse 22, uh, is that famous uh, covenant, uh, unstoppable covenant declaration, you will be my people and I will be your God. 31, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you. And then that great crescendo of God's loving care in, in chapter 32, um, I will not turn away from doing good to them. In fact, I will rejoice in doing them good, but that's not even strong enough. I will with all my heart and soul do them good. And, and a crescendo of God's grace and mercy to his people. And finally, in chapter 33, um, I will cleanse them and forgive them, and they shall be a house of joy. Perhaps this doctrine of God is boiled down most succinctly and tightly in our text for this morning, which is chapter 31 and verse 20. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? 
For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Certainly those questions at the beginning of that text are rhetorical. Uh, is Ephraim my, not my dear son, my darling child? The answer is, of course he is. Of course, my child. Of course he is. And of course we are too. We need a robust doctrine of God to live in a world of suffering and in which we complicate things immeasurably by our own sin. We've described sin as one way to say it, a great complicator. It makes our lives more difficult, more complicated in the setting of the suffering of the fall. In that context, then, we need to know God better. Mention three things about him from, uh, from this verse, uh, verse 20. Uh, God's, of God's merciful heart. God's merciful heart. First of all, it is not the normal word for heart that is used there, lave. It is not that word. Instead, it is a word that, that refers to the bowels or the intestines in such a way that in picture language, speaking of the Almighty God, uh, um, he, he, there, there is a, a feeling sense to emotional life. Uh, you've felt that, haven't you? Sometimes I have fear in the, uh, uh, I have felt fear in the pit of my stomach, as I've also felt love and joy almost too painful uh, to endure. We have, um, we have that sense of, of these felt emotions in our own uh, bowels or intestines. Now, of course, the Father doesn't have a body like we do. Uh, but we often see this described in the life of Jesus in the Gospels where he has these bowels of compassion that raise up, that, that quake even uh, as he looks at the, at the needs of the sheep in front of him. Now God's emotions do not fluctuate. Um, they do not fly up and down in accordance with our behavior, with what we're doing. God is not reactive like that. Instead, it is pointing to the deepest, God's deepest heart of compassion. Calvin put it this way, how great and amazingly great is God's love towards us. That can be described in such terms as his, as his, his battles turning and, 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 and in his affection for us. And so it is, God's heart his heart, secondly, yearns. This word yearns must take us beyond his simply caring for us or even loving us. The background between this Hebrew word is, 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 is feisty. It's sometimes loud noises or rowdy behavior or unruly behavior. It is the idea of being fierce in its apprehension. God has fierce yearning in his heart for you and me. Can we, can we begin to grasp what he is saying here? That God is moved in his heart towards you and me, both in our suffering as well as in our sin. His affections aren't fickle, but they are strong and there is a steady flood out of his heart 
towards you and me in both our suffering and our sin. Uh, God's heart um, yearns, so he surely will have mercy on you. He surely will have mercy on you. That is the compassionate, kind heart that seeks to relieve the, the suffering of the needy. God has that mercy on you. Now, Hebrew has this uh, interesting feature of, uh, of, of sometimes doubling up on verbs. And, and, so, and so in this, in this text, uh, the, the word, I, I, uh, having mercy, I will have mercy. It's emphasizing, uh, having mercy, I will have mercy on you. You can surely and absolutely count on it. It is a certainty. Time and time again, you will have all of God's mercy that you need because you are his dear son and his darling child. Why is this so difficult to grasp? I think one solution, one explanation is that it's different from the way we treat people. Different from how our affections usually work. We are generally warm and generous to people who are cooperative and are pleasing us and, and so forth. And, and yet when they get stubborn or they're, they're willful, uh, think of our children, even their spouses and so forth, that warmth can cool in a minute and that affection can drain out of you in a split second. Have you experienced that quick change in attitude towards another person? I think you probably have. Amazing how quickly that is. That's one reason I have on one of my prayer cards each, most days, I do pray this, and this is for Gail, that I would move toward her in mercy, especially in her sin and weakness. Because that's what God does for us. Move toward her in mercy. You might say, especially when I'm irritated. <laughs> especially in her sin and weakness. Don't give in. I'm reminding myself and asking for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, don't give in to resentment. Don't carry resentment towards her. And, and don't simply ignore it and, and just walk around her about 15 foot radius for the rest of the week. <laughs> um, no, spirit, this is my prayer. Let me know more of the heart of God. That's what I'm asking for. Let me know more of the heart of God. Now, I want, to, I want us to turn, if, if you would, uh, to turn to Psalm 107. I want to do this because Psalm 107 helps us get, helps us see this in some very practical and vivid ways, how God has um, this merciful heart for us and his steadfast love and in our, our sufferings as well as our sins. Now, in this psalm, uh, because God is holy, he is pursuing Ephraim's, Israel's drifting heart. And, and this psalm has four stanzas that are remarkably parallel and, and just simply beautiful. Uh, in verse 4, there is a stanza about wandering in the desert. Uh, there, there is a, a sense of, of, of depression um, and, and, uh, and that is the suffering that uh, aspect that we go through. In verses 10 and following, 
uh, there is a prison of affliction, and that affliction is because we rebelled, rebelled in sin. Um, affliction because of sin. And, and in verse 17 and following, once again, fools through their sinful ways because of their iniquities they suffered affliction. There is affliction because of sin. And then verse 23, a, a fourth condition, they're just going to work. They're just living life, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters, and they saw the deeds of the Lord as wondrous works in the deep. They faced a storm at sea. And that suffering is their occasion then uh, to come to grips with God. Those are the four circumstances, and in each case... There are two identical responses that are mentioned in each in each of the stanzas. stanzas. And let me let's start. Let's just look at the verses four and following. They're wandering the waste. They don't know. They're they're hungry. They're thirsty. They're they're just in an awful place. No home. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. Their trouble was sufficient. To lower them so that they would cry out to God. And then we see, verse 8, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. It is not just in the provision of salvation, but it is also in the condition that causes them to flee to God. All of those things are God's wondrous works to gain your heart. So he, he brings suffering to draw your heart closer. And he allows sin so that you can see how stupid and dangerous it is and flee from it to him. In all of these things, God's wondrous works are, are operating to bring us mercifully uh, to him. Now, I want us to make three commitments as we, as we consider these, these, uh, these verses. And the first one is dare to believe God's merciful heart yearns for you in your suffering. Dare to believe God's merciful heart yearns for you in your suffering. Um, what do you think God thinks about you in your suffering? That's a good question. What do you think God thinks in your suffering? Sometimes we go through physical pain that wears us down. We might have emotional burdens that weigh even heavier. Um, sometimes there are um, problems within our families that are just so distressing to us. And the question that comes to our mind is, does God really care? Does he really care about our problems? In the back of our minds, there's this idea, some, I, I think sometimes, that, that we're simply in a payback relationship with God. It's kind of a Christian karma uh, thing going on, that uh, you've done bad, and so you're going to get bad from God. There's nothing you can do about it, so just suck it up. But God does not desert you in your suffering. This is a good prayer to make in your suffering. Um, as you are, are, 
are dealing with, with whatever your particular suffering might be. You may pray something like this. It is hard to believe your merciful heart yearns for me, but you say so. So I'm taking it as truth. Hard for me to believe. Express that to the Lord. Be honest with Him. One of the one of the amazing things uh, again about about uh, Psalm 107, um, we um, we we read uh, that that it was God who raised up the storm that would swamp His people. It was God's storm. One of his wondrous works, so that they would cry out, so that he would deliver them. And that deliverance was yet another wondrous deed. But can we see the storms and troubles that we go through as also part of God's wondrous works? I was reading through Proverbs recently and Chapter 30, verse 5, struck me, every word of God proves true. That was a particularly important message for me on that day. And here it is for us as well. His heart yearns for you to know and to taste his mercy. Again, a good prayer. Um, as we are suffering, going through life suffering, that, um, that we would pray the Spirit, this is the word of God. Help me believe it and know it and feel it that God, uh, that I am uh, God's dear son and darling child. Maybe even more difficult than this, though, is to dare to believe God's merciful heart yearns for you um, in your sin. God, you see, does not afflict us um, out of anger, but out of love to warn us about danger. In, in Psalm 107 again, verse 12, Psalm 107, verse 12. Um, God bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. This is the affliction that God's people were going through because they have rebelled. God bowed their heads down with hard labor. Thomas Goodwin puts it this way, that your sin moves God more to pity than to anger. The anger is turned upon the sin that ruins you. Again, you might have a child with some difficult, with some horrible disease, and your heart goes out to that child because of their misery. And so what do you think is your greatest misery? What is, what is your greatest misery? Is it not our own sin and the disposition to fight against God? Sin um, shrivels our hearts. Sin deforms us. Sin robs us of peace and joy. And God hates the sin even as he longs for you to know his mercy. And in our shame, we might think, oh, I don't see how this could even be possible for God to consider me uh, in this way as his dear son, his darling child. 
And yet again, we, we resist that unbelief and we say, Holy Spirit, let me know your mercy as God's dear son and darling child. And the third commitment that we make in this, as we are going through um, our, our um, suffering and as we are even dealing with, with sin, uh, to remember at all times uh, Jesus in both your sin and your suffering. Uh, these words from our text, uh, God's merciful heart yearns for you. Um, finds their greatest expression in Jesus, who certainly is God's uh, dear son and darling child. And there is a tension that is built into this text, even as God describes us as his dear son and darling child. It goes on in the middle of that, that text to say, for as often as I speak against him, as often as he has spoken against Israel, chapters 1 through 29, indictment after indictment after indictment, and he could make those indictments against us as well, and often does. For often as I speak against him, and you might be sitting here today, and think, as often as your own conscience is burdened by what you have done against the Lord, remember this as well. I do remember him still. For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Because it is in Jesus, God's dear son and darling child, that justice and mercy meet at the cross, and God's justice is fully satisfied in his horrible death. And God rejected him on that cross so he would always remember you still. How do you get out of it? That, that vortex of, of just being drowned in your suffering and at times also drowned in your sense of your own sinfulness. You see, Jesus, God's dear son, darling child, rejected so that he would always remember you still. There is never a time in the midst of, of difficulties that you go through that you cannot Look to the Lord and say to him, I know you, that I am your dearly loved son, your precious child. Have you come to know this Jesus? Have you put your trust in him? Children especially, don't be thinking just because you've grown up in the church that that includes you necessarily. You too must come to the point of, of acknowledging your need, your sin, your need for this Savior. And he welcomes you and bids you to come to him to know his mercy. Let us pray. Lord, we, um, we do marvel uh, at you today. And these words that um, have been spoken are, are so weak and um, incapable of fully describing the, the magnificent salvation that you have granted to us. Holy Spirit, awaken us to this beauty. And let us live day by day by day in the light of that identity as in 
Christ's people. And therefore, your dear sons, dear daughters, and darling children. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.